Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Weinwart. I'm the Director of the Practice Identity and Access Management here at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is, once again, and I'm really happy for that, is John Tolbert. He is the Research Director for Cybersecurity, working for, with Kupinger Coal Analysts out of Seattle. Hi, John. Good to see you. Hi, Matthias. Nice to see you again, too. Uh, and great to have you. And uh, I, for this episode, I checked back with the earlier episode. Since this um, this podcast is in the third year, um, we want to talk about CIAM, Consumer Identity and Access Management. And we did the last episode on that to on that topic, and I have to check it on the 14th of December 2020. Um, and this was around the topic of the Leadership Compass CIAM. And today we're talking again because you did a an update of this Leadership Compass. And way back then, I checked the list of what we did in there. We talked about consent management, about CCPA, about device integration into CIAM, uh, identity vetting, risk reduction, and credential, credential uh, intelligence. Um, the, the market has evolved to Two years on, um, is this? Are these still the main topics? What has happened in the meantime when it comes to the leadership compass on consumer identity and access management? Well, you know, all those are still very relevant today, and in fact, I would say uh, many of those uh, criteria are even more important today than they were a couple of years ago. Um, there's, uh, as you know, the You know, pandemic has sort of accelerated the whole digital transformation, and we see companies that are consumer facing that have you know evolving requirements in this space. Um, you know, the basics really haven't changed at all, but the the necessity of additional features to sort of address those needs for identity proofing and fraud reduction and you know, consumer IoT device integration just continued to expand. Right. Are there new aspects that have been added over time that were not on your list way back then? Well, you know, I think there have been some interesting changes in the market, uh, especially in not only what we hear from uh, end user organizations, but from the vendors themselves. Um, you know, there, there has been increasing specialization, um, And, you know, one thing that we have noticed over the last six or seven years that we've been doing these reports is that sometimes CIM can be kind of locally generated. You know, there are companies that, that form in specific regions that you know, really understand the regulatory environment, the business environment of, you know, uh, specific regions, let's say, even within Europe. Uh, and so... There have been a number of new entrants into this leadership compass that weren't there in the previous editions. Because of that, we'll see you know some regional players um, starting to emerge uh, and gain some market share in in areas where uh, there may not have been that much CIM exposure previously. But yeah, you know the basics are are all still required. You know, we, we need account registration. There's still a need for social logins, ways to recover the accounts. You know, in the beginning, it was mostly simple authentication and kind of previewing what I learned throughout this research cycle is there's still an awful lot of simple password-based authentication out there, unfortunately. 
consent was was on the radar, but you know, almost going on five years after GDPR, uh, you know, consent is a very very important thing, and it continues to drive a lot of innovation in the market. I think you know one of the main motivators for consumer identity and access management solutions has always been to be able to get information about consumers that can be used for marketing. And then, you know, the identity analytics that can be used for protecting their accounts, too. And, you know, mostly in the beginning, it was either on on premises or, you know, in infrastructure as a service kind of cloud deployment. But, you know, what has changed, like I said, you know, the pandemic has really accelerated digital transformation. This means every every business that really wasn't trying to have a, a good web presence now needs that and has needed it for the last couple of years. So the the market has grown quite a bit, I think. Um, and along with the increase in the size of the market, uh, the, um, the sizes of transactions that are going by, fraud has just skyrocketed too. And I, I see just about every consumer facing organization now looking for some kind of either built-in or easy to add on fraud reduction technology. Yeah, we've been talking about that. We, you, we've did episodes around this topic, FRIP, fraud reduction intelligence platforms. Um, they, they seem to me as if this is a, a carve out of functionality that originally comes from CIM platforms. Is there integration or are these the same vendors? How does this play together? It's mostly uh, mostly different vendors, vendors that can collect various forms of intelligence from you know many different sources and compile that and make that uh, easy to consume and integrate by let's say CIM applications or you know even other lines of business applications. So the fraud reduction Intel platform market is a highly specialized market and I'm starting that research cycle actually right now to update that. Um, but yeah, you know, from the CIM perspective, most of the vendors offer one or more integrations with different fraud reduction Intel services. And then we also see increased need for identity proofing. And that's, um, it's part of the overall fraud reduction picture, but it's also become highly specialized. And there, it, it too is kind of a fragmented market too, where, uh, identity proofing specialist companies uh, will work in specific locales, you know, have access to authoritative attributes, maybe from government or school sources, uh, you know, to be able to provide that uh, to offer a higher level of identity assurance at the time of registration or, you know, even periodically if it needs to be, you know, that's been the case for, you know, banking and, and the financial market for many years, you know, the need for identity proofing at the time of setting up accounts, but we're starting to see that um, move its way into other other industries outside of just banking and finance. Yeah, I just did an episode with Alejandro Leal, who did a leadership compass on passwordless authentication. I see that on the slide that you're just sharing with me, that this also has arrived in CIM. Is this the same flavor of passwordless authentication? Is it WebAuthn and the, and the uh, FIDO2 uh, uh, FIDO standards? Yeah, I think that's a really good way of addressing the need for passwordless. Um, you know, some of the things that we learned were 
uh, a lot of even though the vendor products in in many cases are are FIDO compliant, um, they are not being as widely used by the consumer facing organizations as we would like to see. So we still see a lot of password use. You know, it'd be great to to be seeing more MFA usage, especially passwordless. Many of the same mechanisms and the same uh, vendors that are kind of in these uh, passwordless markets uh, certainly work with uh, consumer-facing and customer-facing use cases. We now hear more and more about the need for B2B, you know, business-to-business and business-to-business-to-consumer or customer kinds of use cases as well. And pretty much across the board, um, the companies that participated in this survey say that they're seeing a huge increase in the number of uh, customers and prospects that are looking to use CIM for these B2B kinds of use cases. But these use cases also mean that you need to apply some kind of yeah, access control as well. So that you're, you're structuring an organization, your customer organization, whether it's B2B or B2B2C. So there, this goes away from the flat, simple consumer and goes towards a structured organization that needs to be well, well reflected. And these are these uh, use cases that you're talking of right now, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, Simple consumer interactions may not require the extensive kinds of access control that you're hinting at there. And I think that's exactly what's going on in the market with B2B use cases. You do need much more sophisticated uh, access control mechanisms built into that. And, you know, there are a couple of cases where we have vendors in this market that uh, really specialize in those Uh, granular authorization for B2B uh, sorts of use cases. Um, Yeah, kind of talking through some of these points here already, you know, we do see increasing use of CIM solutions by uh, government agencies, you know, like uh, local and state governments for interacting with uh, citizens, especially, you know, applying for permits or paying fines or taxes or things like that, this is an area where we see um, increased use of CIM for that kind of a use case. You know, another area that's that's really interesting, uh, some crossover between uh, the enterprise workforce and consumer uh, technologies is the use of remote onboarding apps. Um, these have been around for a few years, and I think in many cases they've gotten to be very good technically. We saw on both the workforce and consumer side much increased interest in using these remote onboarding apps to be able to, well, let's say in the case of workforce, you know, bring on a new employee or do the higher identity assurance uh, verification uh, for consumer use cases too. And these generally involve like a mobile application, you know, looking at um, you know an authoritative document, matching it with a selfie, and and being able to you know, create uh, a stronger credential as a result of that. And as we've said, you know, uh, fraud reduction, important. Uh, IoT device identity management still, you know, greatly expanding as consumers uh, uh, all around the world want to integrate their the various devices that they have, whether they be smart speakers or smart lighting systems or 
you know, home entertainment, um, you know, with their digital consumer accounts. Right. What strikes me most is that you mentioned on the slide, on the one hand, that password um, uh, is still the most common uh, authentication mechanism. And on the other hand, there is there are strong fraud reduction mechanisms in place, but they are not yet well used. Is this level of security, that level of intelligence into what's going on on the platform just lagging behind? Or is there a general trend that organizations are refusing to use this in, um, for, to the benefit of making it simpler for the end user? You know, I can't really infer what the cause is there because the capabilities are present and have been present in many vendor solutions for a while. I mean, I would definitely like to see, you know, a better consumer experience that takes full advantage of all the passwordless or, you know, more user-friendly authentication and registration options that I know are out there. I can't really say why it's not as fully uh, exploited as it, as it could be at this point. Right. So if you look at the Leadership Compass as you have uh, just presented it, it is out, it's available on our website. Um, when you look at these solutions and, and are comparing them with each other and that they are as diverse as, as, you've, as you've mentioned, what are the criteria that you apply when you evaluate these different products against each other? Well, you know, in addition to our standard list of categories where we look at things like security and functionality, interoperability, deployment, uh, and then, you know, the overall market standing, financial position, ecosystem, uh, we look at specific technical criteria for each leadership compass. And these are the categories that I chose to look at this time around for this leadership compass. There are many similarities to previous editions because... Uh, much of the functionality uh, needs to be there. It's been, you know, gotten more detail around the kinds of things that are needed and more offerings uh, in in these specific categories as well. But you know, what we see here are are the main categories that I reviewed uh, for uh, this leadership compass, and it covers onboarding, identity assurance, account takeover protection, authentication consent management, IoT device management, identity analytics, and marketing integration. Now, I'll just add one thing at the end here about marketing integration. You know, In the beginning, many CIM solutions tried to pull a lot of marketing analytics functionality directly into the platform. But you know, over the last few years, we've seen more of an emphasis on just providing integrations to other data analytics solutions that are out there. So this is the marketing integration is kind of a, a measure of, you know, connectors for uh, third party, you know, as well as any built in capabilities that a solution has. Right. If you look at the market, we're two years um, uh, from the last edition away. Um, what has happened in the market? Is there the, the still a, a, a rapid change? Are there new entrants? Are there consolidations, mergers, uh, acquisitions? Um, and, and is it still a yeah an active market? Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, there are there are a number of new entrants. I think this is our largest report yet uh, in terms of number of vendors covered. Uh, and, you know, as I said, they're coming in from, you know, maybe specific regions, you know, to address those regional business and regulatory needs. 
there have been some consolidations. Uh, there have been a few uh, acquisitions, acquisitions that are in progress. Um, and yeah, you know, I would kind of predict that's going to continue uh, as some of the smaller vendors in the that are surveyed here continue to gain ground. Uh, you know, there's room for uh, alliances and acquisitions between them as well. Right. So if we take a sneak peek at the results, um, what can you share with us when it comes to an overview of what has happened in the meantime? Sure. So this is uh, the way the overall leadership uh, graphic turned out this time. I won't uh, read through all of it because there are so many vendors, but I'll just pause here for a minute and uh, viewers can take a look. Yeah, and as you can see, there are quite some new names. Some might, might be just renamings, new brands that are uh, taking over uh, existing companies. Um, but there are also, yeah, the yeah the the larger vendors that you would expect in that uh, in that segment as well. Mm -hmm. So I'll move on to the the product leader in this category. You know, we look at uh, sort of an amalgamation of functionality. Uh, and security uh, within the product, uh, how it can be deployed, uh, overall, you know, product integration. And, you know, we see a pretty good uh, number of companies and, and they're, they're spread out. Right. As always, when we talk about a leadership compass, we must make this disclaimer or we, we really must, must highlight uh, that um, just looking at such a graphic and looking to the upper right and saying, okay, that's the best one for me. This is usually just wrong because um, that would not, yeah, that would not justify to have a report of, I don't know how much pages you have, 40, 50, 60 pages of, a, of your document with detailed analysis of all these vendors because in the end, the Leadership Compass is a tool uh, for the individual organization to identify the solution which fits better for them and that, that does not necessarily need to be the one to the right upper corner but it might be also uh, some other vendor some other service that makes much more sense for them and to choose that properly so um, it's really uh, recommended to do this analysis with your own requirements with your own use cases in mind yep i think that's that's an excellent point um, you know each vendor has you know specific strengths and challenges and you know, what any given organization's requirements are may match, you know, any number of different vendors. It's best to look at the whole report, not just the graphics, but read the details. We try to include as much relevant technical detail as we can fit into it. So check it out. Right. And as I can see from these, from this list of, of vendors that are just in this graphic, that that's hints at quite an amount of work that you did because the sheer number of, of, of vendors, I know you do briefings, I know you do fact checks with them. Um, that looks like quite an, a substantial amount of work, but it's a great result to build upon for those who are trying to identify the right service um, for them. Um, anything that strikes you when it comes to innovation? You've mentioned you're showing this innovation leadership. Um, which vendors uh, come to your mind when it comes to to um, specific innovations that have not been there two years before? Um, you know, I'm really looking at those that, that provide uh, 
you know, really either good built in, you know, some in some cases there are some built in account takeover protection uh, or, you know, some are offering, you know, those remote onboarding apps, uh, you know, SDKs to make it easy for a customer to, um, you know, build in a, a connection to the CIM provider through, from their own application. Um and, and, you know, those which are doing things that are really interesting in terms of making it easy to integrate and manage consumer device identities, oh, as well as, you know, consent, kind of everything that we've talked about before. Right. So this really looks like an, an, an document that is of, of interest to, to many of our uh, listeners and uh, to the audience. Um, so it's available on our website. I would really highly recommend that you head over to coopingacole.com and pick your copy of the Leadership Compass CIAM, the 2022 edition that you just published. Um, any final words that you want to share before we close down? It's really interesting. And I know this is a topic that I'm dealing as an advisor um, in many of our, of our projects just right now. And this is really just, yeah, the topical. This is really of uh, interest to many organizations right now. Yeah, you know, it's always a fascinating topic uh, to research and write about. And um, yeah, any questions, let us know. Um, thanks for Thanks for taking a look at it. Absolutely. And also to the audience, if you have any questions, if you're watching this on YouTube, please drop your comments below um, and uh, your questions and we will pick them up. If there are topics that we should cover in this podcast that we have not yet covered or not yet covered in detail, let us know. Um, if there's feedback of any kind, again, uh, let us know either on YouTube and below in the comments or just reach out to John and me if you have any specific questions or comments. We are happy to answer. Thank you very much, John, for being my guest today, for spending the time, for doing this awesome amount and yeah, results um, for, of this work. Um, really looking forward to digging deeper into the document also as part of my toolkit when it comes to doing advisory work. Thanks again, John. Looking forward to seeing you soon and um, again for another episode. Uh, goodbye, John. Bye-bye. Thank you, Matthias. Bye.